You're listening to the Naptime Empires podcast with my mom, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Mom, your show's on. Thanks, bud. I got it from here. Welcome to the Naptime Empires podcast, refreshingly honest conversations on the realities of parenthood and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Nikki Ellidge Brown. Let's get started. I've got a super fun and meaningful conversation to share with you today with my friend Thajal V. Patel. She's a former divorce attorney turned mindfulness and meditation advocate for parents and kids. She's also the host of the Time In Talks podcast, author of the brand new book, Meditation for Kids, 40 Activities to Manage Emotions, Ease Anxiety, and Stay Focused. Over the last decade, she's educated hundreds of teachers, parents, and children, including her own two little ones, how to playfully infuse mindfulness and meditation into classrooms and homes. Her kid-friendly approach sets her apart from the traditional meditation teacher crowd and makes her a go-to expert for modern moms seeking to raise the first generation of mindful meditating children and the next generation of resilient, compassionate leaders. We met through the magic of the internet, as I have with most of the buddies that I've had on the podcast, but we met through Instagram because she had tuned into Naptime Empire somehow, somewhere, showed up in my comments, and I clicked over to her feed and I was like, ooh, this is awesome. Like what she's doing is so cool. Also, one day I want to write children's books. And so since her work is geared towards children, I just thought this is super powerful and I would love to practice some of these activities in our own home and just kind of see how we explore and experience our big feelings and all of that. So we stayed in touch via DM over the years, but this was actually our first real time, like in real time conversation rather than voice notes (laughs) back and forth. And I just on a meta note, want to point out this is a perfect case study for those who ask how to connect and make friends online or even how to find opportunities to serve other people's audiences and grow your own by being on podcast. If you show up and support people whose work you genuinely enjoy and likewise, because she was showing up for her own work, basically, if you're going to reach out to somebody, make sure you're showing up for your own work so that when they do inevitably click over to check you out, there's a clear, sincere representation of your brilliance. That is what drew me to Thajal and her work. And that is how relationships are built through screens. It can totally happen. Um, I want to note that I got our copy of Thajal's book, Meditation for Kids, like a day after we recorded this conversation. It's really cool. It's not, it's, I was expecting like a kid's book that was like a storybook, but it's literally like a workbook kind of a recipe book, if you will, of activities. So I highly recommend it. We've got it linked up in the show notes so you can grab a copy for your home too. Okay. In the meantime, just a quick overview of what we cover. We talk about her own challenges with anxiety and anger and how that led her to studying and practicing meditation and mindfulness in her mid-20s, what drew her to working with kids in schools, how stress affects your body emotionally, mentally, and physically, very practical tips for kids of all ages who are feeling overwhelmed for real. It's not just kids that need it, obviously. We do too. And really cool, you know, I'm in book mode, so I wanted to get behind the scenes scoop on her first book and how that all went down. So we talk about how she unexpectedly attracted her first book deal by adding amazing value through Instagram, what it was like launching her book during her first book during pandemic and quarantine mode, and then how she manages her work days and childcare while also championing the Kids Can Meditate movement. So grab your earbuds and enjoy. Enjoy. 
All right, here we are, mindful, present, and recording with Dejal V. Patel. And I'm so excited because we've really, we've connected via voice message and things, but this is like our first time really connecting in real time. So thank you so much for being here. Nick, I'm so, so thrilled to be sitting with you today. (laughs) We have lots to discuss, lots to discuss. And I would start, I just want to start before we dive in because there's so many nuggets that you have that I'm just like, I want just to download, connect a USB drive from my brain (laughs) to yours because I love your practical (laughs) approach to all this. But first, let's just start with the frame of like how you got into business. I know you were a divorce attorney to begin with. So I'm curious about that. And then at what point did the little ones start coming along in terms of business? Did they come first? Did business come first? Tell us the things. Yeah. So I was um, a divorce attorney for about five and a half years. So in my mid twenties, I specialized all all in out of court divorce resolutions. So I did something called um, collaborative divorce and divorce mediation. And so this was pre kids, and I it was a very interesting dynamic because I had the husband and wife in front of me at the same time. And, um, but as you can tell, it was a very, also very emotional because you have them both, you know, kind of working out their divorce and 99% of my clients all had children. That's why, um, that's why they were trying to as amicably, you know, resolve their divorce. And so for me, it was interesting just separately. I was going through my own personal, spiritual, and emotional rock bottom at Mm. that same time in my life. And I was trickling in yoga and I was getting exposed to meditation and mindfulness. One thing just, I feel like led after the other, after the other. And so I was finding such relief in my own life. I was a child who experienced anxiety, uh, low self-esteem in my teenage years. I had anger rages Mm -hmm. and these were all patterns that were all a part of me that really were just suppressed. And then when I was listening to my clients talk about their children and how they were emotionally handling the divorce, a lot of them were getting diagnosed. They were going to therapists and they were diagnosing them with anxiety. And when I was listening to what was happening to these kids, it took me back to my childhood because it was like literally the same experiences that I had as a child. And so that really, to me, as I was finding these tools in my mid-20s and they were helping me cope with anxiety, I just realized, you know, children really need to be learning these tools at a young age. And so I got my certification in children's yoga and mindfulness. And uh, my husband and I owned preschools at the time in South Jersey. So I started teaching young children. I started teaching children who are three, four, up until the age of eight. Um, I was going into some elementary schools. I was teaching them yoga, mindfulness, and I didn't call it meditation, but I called it like peaceful pauses um, Mm. in the classroom, just to be politically correct, you know? Um, so yeah, this is, you know, right. I think it's going to hopefully starting to shift, but still still around that. Um, so yeah, this was all pre-kids and, um, I saw I've been doing this for 10 years. And so at some point, um, it was around, I was doing simultaneously for about two and a half years. And I realized this is my gift. This Mm. is my passion. This is my purpose in the world. And so I started expanding. I took Marie Forleo's B-School while I was pregnant with my Mm -hmm. first son. And I really created this business where I was going and doing trainings 
trainings at schools and educating teachers how to bring mindfulness and meditation into the classroom. And then I started, once I became a mom five years ago, I started doing coaching for parents, mainly moms, how to bring it into their home. And so that's how it organically just step-by-step just kind of unfolded. And now I my son and I were kind of with the book now, it's like really making it available to the masses. And he's kind of my partner in crime where, where we do videos together and podcasts together to kind of inspire kids to learn this. Okay. So on that note, well, okay. First of all, you have two boys. How old are they right now? As we're recording, it's May, 2020. They are five and one. Five and one. Okay, cool. And so you... So you started the coaching business more specifically, more personalized for moms once you became a mom. So what did that look like for you? Like whenever you had your first little one boots on the ground, what was the startup? Like whenever you were starting your business, was it like Skype sessions or consults or... So what I did was while I was taking um, Marie's B school, I knew that I wanted to do online courses. And a lot of it was, insp- I mean, I was following you around that time. I, that was like five, five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I, your, you know, your copywriting course. And I was like, I really want to do a group coaching. That's going to be the most... And I was a new mom at the time too. So I was like, that's going to be the most value, um, you know, getting more people. So I actually took Catherine Hawking's... Um, course on creating e-courses, e-course launch. I can't remember the the exact name. So I basically simultaneously was creating my business, but I also was creating an e-course. So um, it was at the time, it was the first e-course that I created included a group coaching uh, portion to it. So it was the online uh, weekly like drip out of the content and then... um, bi-weekly live coaching calls. Okay. So that's what my, my, um, my method was. And then I created four courses in total from then to now. Um, and yeah, so that like, so they're all now, right now they're all evergreen. Um, my current course that I created as a supplement to this book, I've been, that's the one that I'm focused on doing live group coaching calls for that, the meditation for kids masterclass course. So that's kind of been my, my um, business model is doing the creating the the membership site, and then I have the group coaching calls and the the support with it. Okay, sweet. And so, tell me more about the book and the course too. I want to hear about both of them. I've got mine in the mail right now. I wish I was like I should have timed it so that I could like have it and look like I'm a real interviewer with Oprah. She always has the book in her hand. <laughs> But we're definitely getting it because I love it. I just love your approach. And so for you listening, definitely go. I mean, we'll share all the links and things in the show notes and afterwards. But even just on Instagram, the little activities that you share in your IGTV and stuff, it's just like, it's fun. It's its not boring. Like the last one that I was watching was the rainbow breath one where it wasn't like, just sit and breathe kids. Like, cause adults even have a hard time doing that. So I love how approachable and literally kid-friendly you make it. So tell us more about the book. Yeah. So in my 10 years of teaching kids, what I've learned is kind of like a systematic of a, a systematic approach, just like we teach ABCs to kids. It's through my trial and error of learning how do you teach children to build that 
focus and that stillness and that practice of meditation and mindful breathing. And so in my own journey of just like I said, my personal spiritual mindfulness journey, I realized that what what yoga kind of led me to was Ayurveda. And I'm just going to give like a 30 second primer of what Ayurveda is for anyone who's listening who doesn't know. Yes, please do. Yeah. So it's basically um, the lesser known sister science to yoga. And it's the science of essentially understanding uh, how to overcome stress, how stress affects you, and then what you do to balance it out. That's like the easiest way to kind of explain it. So Ayurveda is basically the science of life. And so what I learned through that was that when we're experiencing, for example, anxiety, a lot of people right now, because experiencing a lot of anxiousness, there are certain specific breathing resets or holding a specific yoga posture that helps reset your nervous system and release the energy out so that you can feel calm again. So it's all about that mind-body connection. A lot of times when we think of meditation, it's all about, okay, sit still, take deep breaths. You're supposed to clear out your thoughts. But a lot of us have a hard time, like I can't focus or I can't sit still. I get distracted or I have this impulse. The minute I sit down, I feel like, oh, I got to like do something. Mm -hmm. And so what I learned was, is that stress is simply the sign that it's kind of like our body's a machine and stress is like the sign that, whoa, like red, red flag, you're about to get depleted or like you need to refuel your engine. And it's what, so when you look at it that way, there's three different types of stress that we experience. It's um, mental stress, like anxiety or nervousness, emotional stress, like feeling angry, jealous, impatient, frustrated. And the third is physical stress, which is when you feel sad or tired or bored or an extreme case would be like depression. So in each case, like when you're anxious, it just means that you have too much energy floating in your head and you got to root it back down into your feet, into your, and out of your body. When you're feeling angry, the physiological response is that you're hot. So your body is overheating literally. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's like when you get angry, right? You get flush in the face or that image of the steam coming out of your ears or your head blowing off. It's, (laughs) there's too heat. So you have to do breaths and holding your body and move your body in a way that cools your body down. And then when you're sad or you're tired or you're bored or you're feeling lazy, it means that there's too much sedentary, like heavy earth energy. So you just got to move that energy up through your body above your head. And so what my approach of it, children are naturally into movement and they're in tune with their body. So I really wanted to make it very approachable for parents and kids to learn the science of actually knowing the right tools that are going to help them move them out of certain emotions that we most commonly feel. And also knowing the right, like not only emotion management, but like energy management. So how like those visualizations, like when I teach kids, it's like, you know, your body's like a machine and anytime you feel yucky inside, it means that one of your engines is not working. So let's check which one of your engines is not working. So it's very playful, very relatable. And I've broken the book up into chapters with like different exercises that are completely kid-friendly. Like they're, they're like um, little animals and it's like, very, very friendly to children and it's playful. But at the end of the exercise, I write for parents, like, when do you use this time in and why it works? So it also helps parents understand when we can use the tool in our own life. And it's going to help us when we're feeling that sort of stress. 
Yeah, that makes so much sense. I mean, everything, like I love how you broke it down, the mental and the emotional and the physical and the different types of distress that we'd be experiencing. Because of course, there's also eustress, which is like the positive. It actually inspires us to get going. But I love even just the visual of like when it's that sad, heavy energy and you want to move it up. Like, I just love those visuals. Thank you for the word pictures <laughs> and, and for the actual yeah, images <laughs> for us to share. Because this really is, like you said, it's something that probably a lot of us, are learning in our twenties and thirties. And so it's like, if we can help our kids even just be exposed to these concepts and ideas and perspectives and ways of thinking about our own bodies and how our energy works and all of that, then it really sets them up to be so much more resilient rather than so rigid, like, ah, feeling overboard. And then I'm out, (laughs) you know, it's like, it's like, there's not much that helps bridge the gap between the two. So you mentioned the time in part, and I want to talk a little bit about your time in talks podcast too. Um, what are some of the, I guess, well, I'm also, it's hard because I want to talk to you about your actual content, but I also want to talk to you about your context and how you're creating all of this <laughs> with your two humans. So tell us a little bit about the podcast. And then I want to talk more about like nitty gritty and how you make it work over there while you do have these young boys at home. Yeah. So if anybody, I know Nick, you've seen my son, my older son, Ayan is very much like a budding influencer in the making. It is so funny. Like he um, is just a little sponge. And so I kid you not, um, last summer, um, my son loves like being on video and talking and just, he's, he keeps saying, he's like, when I grow up, like I, I'm going to be on TV. And I'm like, okay, that's great. If you want to be on TV. But um, he kept saying that and we would play. He said like, mommy, let's play. Like pretend that we have microphones in front of us. And like like we're talking to the mommies about, you know, like anger. And I have this like on video um, because he kept doing it over a period of like a month. He's like, and I was like, are you talking like a podcast? Like you want to do a podcast? He's like, yeah, let's pretend like we're playing podcast. And so we would... And we would like talk about like, and of course it's like mindfulness related because that's a lot of the conversations that we have is about feelings and just kind of, you know, different mindful conversations. And so, you know, we would play podcast and there was something that he's like, mommy, I really want to do a real podcast. And he just kept going with it. I was like, you know, let's sit with it. And I told my husband and he's like, you know what? Like, just give it a try. And something <laughs> deep inside of me, like I really wanted to do a podcast too, like yeah. just separately. But I was just like, you know, all the excuses. Oh, I don't have time. I have to read, like I have to, the learning curve is going to be too high or, mm-hmm. you know, all those excuses. But it was really weird because it almost like him kind of, I don't know, subconsciously just like planting it in my mind. And like, he just like bringing it up was just validation and permission for me to do it. So fast forward, we're about to, we launched last August. So it hasn't even been a year yet, but it's been a combination of, we have like these special mommy IU episodes where, where he kind of takes the lead and we talk about something mindfulness related. So, and they're all conversations that we have. A lot of our conversations used to happen in the car when I would be driving him back and forth from school, mm-hmm. which has stopped now, but right. um, it's like, just like how to deal with big and small problems or like, what's the difference? Or, you know, <laughs> we have a lot of deep conversations. He's like, so talking about strangers, robbers and souls, like do wow. robbers <laughs> the people or rob, you know, like when people yeah. do bad things, so he asked me all these deep questions and I just figured, you know, let's, let's 
share this with other kids and just talk, you know, share like mindful conversations around these, maybe these big conversations that there are thoughts that they're having. Oh my gosh. So I love that's it so much. Part of, yeah, that's been part of the podcast. And then I also do like interviews and solo casts. But my whole my whole take is about giving you a different perspective on a situation. So every single episode, it's like the topic is like press the reset button on, you know, toxic friends and family or, you know, mm. different like press the reset button on anxiety. It's yeah. just different perspectives on problems that we face as modern moms and parents. Yeah. I love that so much. And it reminds me of whenever I was, I can't remember. Well, I had to be late 2016 because it was before we actually recorded the intro for Naptime Empires. But I was like, Bryson, I have an idea. <laughs> so it was mine, but he was so excited. I was like, you want to be on my podcast, which didn't exist yet. He was like, yeah, right now. And then we ran into the <laughs> into the guest room or the, the office that I had at the time in our house in Hawaii. And we just sat on the love seat and recorded a voice memo version. And I was like, say, welcome to the Naptime Empire. <laughs> and so he did like a little voice memo because it was so cute where he was like, right now? Okay, let's go do it. You know? And then later on we recorded it in the closet upstairs and it's just so cute because I'm like, oh, Bryson. And now his voice of course has changed so much in the last four years. So I love that y'all have that time capsule. Like it's so beneficial to everybody else, but also personally, it's just so priceless to have those conversations on the record for you and for him and for whoever else comes next. So that's, yeah, good. that's true. I love, I love your intro because his voice is so sweet. <laughs> so, so I know. I love it. I love it. Okay. So when it comes to, how do I want to ask this? Like in real life, because this is the thing in my, like my highest self, is practicing these things. <laughs> like in my ideal world, I'm practicing these things and we're having these conversations and I have the tools and all of that. But then sometimes, obviously, because we're human, it's like, oh, I can't even calm myself down. Like, what are some of your practical tips for when we're in those moments where it's like, oh my goodness, everyone, please, I just want to lock myself in the closet for my own little time out, time in um, and calm down. Like, what are some of those things that you've seen repeatedly over and over with the the parents that you've worked with that have helped even when we're at the point where it's like, there's nothing about me that wants to be mindful right now. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm just Absolutely. in my feelings and committed. Absolutely. And I think that, that, like you said, it's a normal part of human experience. Like yeah. we think that, you know, a lot of people ask like, Oh, you must be calm all the time. Like you, I, yes. Like stress, just because you practice mindfulness or meditation, stress is a natural part of life. Like I yeah. said, like stress is a sign that there's friction within your system and friction can happen when you're in the newborn phase and you're not getting enough sleep. Or, um, for me, I know a big, I get feel that tension or that friction inside when it's too loud. Like I'm sensitive to loud sounds and screaming and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, so it's like understanding, I think, you know, largely our body is this sophisticated technology, but we've been winging it basically through life. Like we have we don't have the owner's manual or nor did we ever like read an owner's manual. We've just been winging it and just trying to figure it out. Yeah. And so I, the way that I liken it is that I think it all starts with just the recognition of when there's friction within your system. And that's like I said, like whenever I feel like, like when I tell kids, do you feel yummy or yucky inside? It's like, quickly be able to recognize, okay, I'm off today. Like there's, or something just triggered me and now I feel off right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and just recognizing that and 
there's definitely times, um, I think with, especially with the book and having, if, and if it's like with your children, um, I use the language now and there's a lot of language in there that's like, Hey bud, I'm really feeling like on angry Island right now. And I need to take a, I need to take some, take some time in order for me to get into happy Island. That's like one of the exercises. So I'm going to go over here and take some deep breaths so I can go back to happy Island or like, Hey bud, like, you know, um, mommy's head engine is spinning like a howling hurricane. Um, and this is all language in here, like in the book. And I was like, can you please like lower your volume or I need to step out? Like, so, and then he now models that he's like, mommy, like my head, my heart engine is overheating because when you Uh said that and told me I can't do that, it made me feel really frustrated. So it's really created a language first of all, so that when we need to take those time ins, like what I say, you're giving yourself that space. Like I don't feel right. Right at this moment, rather than keep pushing and like, you know, doing or like being in that environment that potentially is going to continue to aggravate that friction within you, you yeah. take the time to recognize, okay, how can I lubricate my system? Like what is like the breath or do I need to drink water? Like drinking cold water when you're angry or like your, your body's overheating. Like, I think that's been the most crucial thing is like that constant check-in of like where I am on the spectrum, because every single day, Every single moment, really, I feel like with this pandemic, like your your, sh- your mood shift, your energy shifts, your, you know, like what's happening is causing you to adapt and like, you know, really quickly to different things. And like things are not happening as we expected and we're realizing we're not in control of a lot of things. So I think it's just being gentle and just um, for me is like, I, I go to the bathroom a lot when I just really need to take a time out. Like take a time out for myself. And honestly, like when I'm angry, like I'm putting cold water on my wrist points, that there's a oh. there's a point there that actually starts cooling your cooling you down. If you can put water on your face, you can certainly do that, but sometimes you can't. But just putting cold water on your wrist points will immediately start lowering the temperature of your body when you're feeling annoyed, frustrated, or angry. And you'll notice it. It's like almost immediate. So that's one of the things that I do. And sometimes I'll even put water on the back of your neck that also quickly cools you down. Mm. Um, so those are like my go-tos. And I feel like the bathroom, like um, we have a fan. So I turn on the fan, like mm-hmm. when, when and I'll like kind of like my little like bubble, I just feel like I need to, and then I'll do my breaths or whatever I need to do in my bathroom, even if my kids are screaming outside. So that's kind of like my little, little like practice that I do. I've never even heard of that. The cold water on the wrist, I'm totally going to try it. And I think, again, if nothing else, it comes back to, I agree with you. That's a lesson that I've learned in the last few years. It's just that our emotions are feedback and stress is feedback. It's it's not wrong. Like it's not a bad thing. It's actually healthy because it's letting us know, oh, something's off, something needs attention. And I call it like an intuitive alarm system that's trying to get our attention and we can try to snooze it and snooze it and snooze it, but it's going to keep coming back until we've actually felt the feeling and let it go however it needs to. But even just having that mindfulness and those like physical pattern interrupts to help like ourselves, but also to help the kids realize that there's something you can do, that there is a connection with your actual physical body and the thoughts that you're having and the way that they can work together is really powerful. So absolutely. I love that you said that intuitive alarm system. That is so true. And you know, I, I wanted to quickly share um, with listeners is that especially with like big emotions with kids and ourselves, like anger and like extreme sadness, like if they're crying, like um, 
what I learned in my Kundalini training was that you always do the yoga before you do the meditation or sit in stillness because you want to ride the energy out. And there was this um, yoga set that we did for anger and the whole like 30 to 45 minutes, it was like pounding on the floor, like doing like kind of like big like movements. And I realized that I was like, you know, like when you stomp on the floor, if you like do like loud, like movements, it actually starts moving the energy, that intensity of the energy of anger out in you. And so there's an exercise in the book. um, It's called anger mashed potatoes. And so we (laughs) went a lot because it's like what I noticed, there's a ping pong happening between me and my five-year-old. Like we're just like, you know, getting in this heated like argument. I'd be like, Ayan, I am not playing anger hot potato with you anymore. And so we like, we do this, we did this in playtime first before we actually do it in the moment. So we'll like yeah. pretend like we're taking a hot potato, throwing it on the ground and then we'll like stomp. And it like, when you do it like silly and like make it exaggerated, it actually shifts the energy. It'll move the energy out of you and then it'll shift the energy and then you can go back to whatever conversation it was. And it's been amazing like how that works. Um, uh, we're totally going to be borrowing that. <laughs> <laughs> in the roundhouse, anger mashed potatoes. Yeah, because the hot potato, it's like, okay, wow, you're only four years old and the sass, like I didn't realize this could happen at age four. Yeah. We've been watching too many tween shows on our Disney Plus because I don't even know why you do that. You know, I'm like, it's too soon, guys. It's too soon. But I love that. Anger mashed potatoes. Noted. Yeah. And starred. Okay, we'll be looking forward to that part of the book. So I want to ask more now about the context and logistics and how you've been making this work over the last five years. So are you the primary caregiver or is your husband home too? Like what's the dynamic like at home with how you've been creating the books, the podcasts, the courses and all of that over the last few years? Yeah. So, um, it's been predominantly me, my husband. So we own businesses. So he has pretty much, even though like he's his own boss, he's he's out. And like some week, it's really interesting because some weeks he's, you know, could be longer hours and some yeah. weeks it's not. Um, but we used to own the preschool. So my son, my older son used to go to the preschools for like two or three days a week. So I, that was like when, before I had my second son, that was like, you know, my time to, it was a lot of freedom, I guess, because yeah. I had those five or six hours, um, of like, uninterrupted time to do work. And then when my youngest was born, um, he was, I was pretty much home with me. And then I had a, um, nanny come two days a week in the mornings for a couple hours. So that was basically from like nine to one was my time to work two days a week. So I would like really manage whatever I need to do podcast wise, content wise, coaching wise, it would all be in those two days. Um, and And now, so with the podcast, it's been a little bit easier because like I said, like I would just schedule it at that time or sometimes at nighttime whenever, like when the kids would be to sleep, that's when I do the the podcast. Um, As far as the coaching is concerned, yeah, like I, it was, I was moving away from the one-on-ones though. I did take on some one-on-ones after my second son was born because I was getting this like, it was weird. Like I was getting this urge to go back to one-on-ones in that connection because I'd been doing like the group coaching for so long. Like, I don't know if that makes sense. Like I it wanted, does. I totally have felt that too, where it's like, wait, I just want that connection. Right. Like that one-on-one connection where you feel that like you're, so I, I was taking, um, I took a few one-on-one clients during that time. Um, and then the book, so the book was, 
very interesting. I had been, and I, I know I told you about this, Nick. I, I had been, um, pitching agents. I had written a proposal for a different book, which is interesting. I wrote mm. the proposal and pitching it to agents. And, um, you know, I got a lot of no's like at, which was expected. And then, um, I randomly got reached out last year by a publisher who was reaching out or basically, um, building their division of self-help books for kids. Mm. And so they had their marketing division found me on Instagram, which is like a testament. Like I want to just put this little plug out there for anyone who's creating content on Instagram. And you're like, okay, well, who's going to really, like, who's really seeing this? Or I only have like 1000 followers or whatever. I just want people to know that you never know who's looking and who's watching and like, like that. Cause I was very, like my Instagram wasn't huge. Like when they found me. Yeah. Um, so I just want to just put that out there. Like if you're passionately putting out content that you believe in, you never know. It only takes one person. So I just wanted to put that. That is a gem there. and a golden nugget. And we get so carried away in numbers and metrics like that. And wow. you're right. It just takes one of the right people to be able to connect you with this opportunity. So thank you for sharing that and highlighting that for sure. Yeah. It's, it just put out good, like me, meaningful content, which is like what I'd been doing. And, um, and I, and I was just very surprised, but they found me, they interviewed me like, you're the expert. We want to write a book for meditation for kids, for kids ages four through eight, which is like a niche. Like there's not that many experts out there who do that age range. So, Mm -hmm. um, so that, that's, it, it really, I know like people who are trying to write a book and they're like, man, that girl, like she got a book, but this was just very like, I mean, the universe kind of just made it happen, I guess. Yeah, because I was going to say, it's not random at all. It's because you were showing up doing the work and doing really, like you said, I mean, and I can say it because it might feel weird to toot your own horn, but just such quality content. Like I remember, however we met, it was through Instagram or however I met you because you commented on my Instagram. Then I went over to your stuff and I was like, oh my gosh look at all of this goodness. Like I can't wait to finally record again on the podcast one day so that I can make sure everybody that I know knows about Dejal too. Yeah. So that's, and you know what, the, what I thought was really fascinating was that, um, this publisher is like, you know, when there's a growing niche, they're like, mental health for children is this developing growing niche because of the level of anxiety and, Mm. you know, stress being, um, you know, there's just so many statistics on it, but it's just growing. So, um, yeah, so this is how the, the book kind of came about. And honestly, again, when the book was being released was not in my control. It launched on April 14th, right in the midst of lockdown. And it has been I mean, that again is synchronicity in its finest because parents and teachers are home. The timing could not be more impeccable in, in one way, right? Like the silver lining of the time. You have this time that yeah, you, absolutely. and people recognize the need for it. That because there's even like- it's I was in your face. <laughs> you can't, your, can't deny yeah. the big feelings right now, for sure. They're everywhere. It's, and you can't it's like- <laughs> it is like exactly what you said. Like you're dealing with it and you cannot escape it. Your kids are not going to school. You're not getting that break. Yeah. In fact, you're like adding the stress of like homeschooling and, you know, children, I think we're also learning like children, children's focus. It's not something that's innate. It's something that's learned. Like they need brain breaks. They need mm-hmm. these resets so that like when their mind gets foggy, like teaching them, okay, your mind is feeling foggy or your energy is feeling low. This is what you can do to refocus or like to rebuild your energy energy so that you can focus again. I think this is such a beautiful opportunity and 
to, to give this gift of stillness and understanding how to ride through um, difficult feelings when things happen that are not in your control or really it's like, you know, we focus on raising children who are happy. It's now, okay, let's not forget. Let's also raise children who know how to handle unhappiness and those normal emotions like anger, frustration, uh, disappointment that are a normal part of the human experience. Totally. And that's another thing that I've learned over the last few years too, through the work of John Martini. It's like life, I mean, I've intuitively known this, life has both sides, but really like the goal isn't even happiness because that is also a one-sided emotion. You know, like the, the goal is that true presence and gratitude and appreciation and love for exactly what is, which is both sides. It's the happy and the sad. It's the, I'm energized and I'm tired. Like that is life. That is our wholeness. You can't have the one-sided coin or the one-sided magnet or whatever. And so being able to realize that, I think this is the gym because it's not about basically, and it could be semantics to some people, like fulfillment to one person may mean happiness or joy to another. But I also think of happiness differently now where it's like, the elation with, without like assuming almost like a fantasy that there's going to be no drawbacks to whatever is going on. And when you really look at your life and think about those moments, you can always find that unconscious opposite feeling that was also there. And then you can see like, oh, wow, there is always balance. There is always that order, even if I don't recognize it in the moment. But then when we can, that's, that's the good stuff. Like that's the real appreciation for life as it is, rather than wishing it was only a certain way, you know? Yeah. That beautifully said. Okay. So I'm also just curious because I, I want to write kids books and it's like on my thing. That's a dream of mine because for this exact reason, I want to share the things that I'm sharing in a way that my kids can understand while also knowing that air quotes, these children's books you're saying for kids ages four to eight, it's also for all the grownups that are reading <laughs> the books to them. Like this, <laughs> yeah. the secret messages where it's like, oh dang, that was deep. <laughs> that was good. I'm going to try that too. So what was the process like? You know, like, did you pick the illustrator because you had the publisher? Did they pick it? How did all of that work? Yeah. So, you know, again, this was very much a learning curve for me because it was my first experience in it. And I, I, okay. So this was a traditional publisher. It wasn't self-publishing. I just wanted to clear that up because I can see why at least with, I had a lot, I have a lot of friends who've done children's book and they went the self-publishing route and I can see why. And I'm going to explain like the pros and the cons, especially for a children's book. So the first is, um, one I, because it was a publisher, I didn't have create as much creative control over illustrations and picking okay, right. the illustrator. And I think that might be different for each publisher, but this one had specific, uh, illustrators that they work with and they kind of had an idea and their feel of like what they wanted. So I could, I input it a little bit, but they like, for example, and I'll give a really candid example. There was this one image, um, for, the the exercise and I was like this doesn't match what the exercise is and mm-hmm. you know as the exercise like I really feel like it would really be beneficial if you change it and it would be like this and they're again like a publisher and they have a deadline so they're like you know we really feel you like we really get it like we know where you're coming from but I just think it's going to be we can't change it now because we're too far along or whatever like they gave me like it's politically <laughs> political answer right for it. And- so it's like we hear I, you and no. <laughs> yeah, hear you and no. So I just want to share, like you know, I think that's just you know part of the nature of it, right? Like yeah. you, 
Um, I don't, I'm not saying all publishers are like that, but I think it's like you give up some creative control in that aspect as far as like the illustrations are concerned. Um, as far as writing it, I, I had a pretty tight deadline to write the book. Um, so I couldn't have done it without my mom to be very honest. Cause like Uh I said, like your son was going to school. So like, and then, um, there was a week, it just kind of coincided. Like I had no kids in the house besides my older one. And my husband was on a work trip. And so this one week, literally, and my son, my youngest son was at my parents' house for the entire week. I would wake up really early and I would, and a lot of like these exercises is like built from my curriculum that I had. Um, However, I, so it, but it was like writing it out and, you know, like making it in the right, like the right amount of words and making it playful and all those different things. But like the first draft of it happened relatively quickly. Like that first week I tried to get, I had all the exercises that I wanted down the 40 exercises. And then over the last, over the next um, two months, I like refined it with my editor. So really the bulk of it was written in a week, which is kind of crazy to think, um, you know, like the exercises and stuff. But like I said, I couldn't have done it without help. It was not like superpower, like super mom here. Like I, um, I really needed help and I was waking up early, going to bed late. Like those were like, you know, like that, those two months were definitely any moment of time that I had, I was editing, rewriting, you know, doing that sort of thing. So, um, but it was the end well, of last. Shout out to your mom. Thank you, thank yes. mom, for all the reasons for this amazing daughter that you raised and also for supporting her and getting this body of work out into the world for more people because that's just a beautiful thing too. Like, I just love that you allowed yourself to be supported in that way. And I'm sure your little guy had so much fun hanging out with the grandparents all week, like a camp over there while you were in book mode. That's yes. Sweet. Yes. And and you know, what's funny that you said that. So initially, like my mom, like I told my parents the deadline and my mom called me the next day. She's like, I'm going to take Rehan for the Mm. week. Uh, You can work. And my first initial inclination was like, no, I can handle it. Like I can do it. (laughs) And then I stopped. I was like, you know what? Let me look at my schedule and see what it is. And then when I sat, I'm like, why am I not allowing, like, why am I saying no, you know, to help? I was like, I need to just allow it in. And then I said, yes. And it was like the best thing ever. So, um, (laughs) that's such a gift it really is and like it's just because we can handle it and we can I mean we can handle a lot but do we have to and also like it gives her such a sense of satisfaction to be able to support you in that way it gives them those bonus time you know to make memories and all of that so it's like everybody wins and when we can look at it that way and see it that way then there's not even guilt it's like sweet thank you because now I can do this and know that you guys are having a great time and it just looks different. You know, the transformation of the childcare, it doesn't have to be like mom or bust or dad or bust. There's some, it's a blessing to have that village. And I, that's why we moved back here from Hawaii so that we could be near family. And everybody's like, literally everyone, if I'm at a doctor's appointment or whatever, and it's, well, we lived in Hawaii. And they're like, why did you move back here? (laughs) Like why Houston? I'm like, because my family, you know, like there's nothing to me that's priceless. It was recently Mother's Day as we're recording this. And I was like, that's the thing. Like even, even though as much as I love Hawaii, there's nothing that beats being a short drive away from my parents in this season of life right now. So that's awesome. I love that you shared that. And okay. I'm really excited about the book stuff because I am currently finally writing the Naptime Empires book. And so I get it, the binge creation process, because it's like, it's been stewing, like you said, with your exercises for years, it's been stewing for years. So when I was like, 
I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to sit. And I was writing like 7,000 words a day. I wrote 94,000 words in 12 days. Wow. (laughs) And it's a mess. It's a mess because it's way too many words. And now I'm going to, now I'm in that, like you said, with the two months of two months of deciding what actually stays and goes, but sometimes you just got to do it. You just got to rip the bandaid, do it all, and then sort it out later. And then from the two months that you created it, like what was the timeline? So it came out, it launched in April. Yeah. So when did you start? Um, so then after I had the, the writing and stuff done, then it goes through like different editing processes. Yeah. So there's like developmental editors and then there's, um, like, I can't remember the word right now, but there's another form of um, editing when they, when they put it in the layout, like, uh, how it's going to be in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was different like editors that I worked with. Um, and so it was like, I wrote the book, I submitted the exercises and then there was a period of time that like, I didn't hear from them. They're like, yeah. they were doing a lot of the behind the back of the scenes. They were like picking an illustrator, that sort of thing. Um, and then there was another round of editing when I saw it with the images in it, which was, but they were all black and white. And then I was it's so interesting, like seeing them black and white and then seeing them in color is a completely different experience. So each time I saw our new, like revised copy of it, it was interesting because it felt like it felt different each time. I don't know right. if that makes sense. Um, and it felt more and more real each time you, it would progress. Yeah. Um, and then, so yeah, like the, the actual book, like the ebook, like it can being completely finished was, um, at the end of February and mm-hmm. it came out Big end of February, beginning of March, and it came out in April. So pre-orders started around that time, like end of February. So it was it was a relatively quickly quick process, like, and that's kind of like what the publisher um, was trying to hope because they wanted to. It was interesting because I was like, wow, they wanted out so quickly. But I guess it's like that again. That was kind of like the universe. Like it was like it was meant to come out at this mm-hmm. time, or it needed to come out at this time. So they had they kind of were working pretty quickly with it, but. Um, very satisfied with like how it's come out. And it's really like this owner's manual for, for parents and teachers now, which is going to be so awesome. Well, we're totally linking to it and I'm really excited to share it just because it is so important and it is so easy for us to be like, yeah, but, and that's not an issue with the way that you teach it. Cause it's about real life practical and you have two kiddos and you've been teaching this for a decade, as you said, and living it and using it in your own life. And so I'm encouraging our listener, please go get a copy for you and your family and your friends too, because this is something that if we could all just help ourselves feel our feelings a little bit more and move through them, then literally the whole world benefits. If each person could just have a little bit better grip on understanding what's actually happening in our mind body systems and that we do have tools, simple tools like cold water on the wrists yeah, that can help us cool off literally and figuratively. And then my last question on, <clears throat> on this is how does it feel? Like, I know you, you probably have multiple books in you and there was the one that you were originally pitching. Like, how does it feel to, to have this first book out there and how do you feel like it's preparing you for the next, you know? So I will be very honest. I, the originally, like until people actually told me, they're like, stop and just celebrate what you've accomplished. Yeah. I, I, 
I needed that uh, verbal and like reminder from people because it's like, you know, it's, it's very much like that human tendency of like, you want something, you desire something, you create something, you birth something, it's here. Okay. The next step promoting, you get into this, you know, the last two months has, and, and it was all during this quarantine, it's been interviews and all these different things, which has been great. Um, but then you get caught up in all that, right? Like, how do you get the books in the hands? Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I don't think I actually like sat and actually celebrate it. Mm. And so a couple weeks ago, I, it was a Saturday, I remember. And I was like, I just sat with a book and I like looked at it like from page to page, which I hadn't done. I like, I read like, I read the ebook. I, I like, I swift through the pictures and, you know, I've been practicing obviously with my son, but I like actually sat with it and I was like being with it, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And just I, as each exercise, like how each one has helped me in my own journey, it kind of just like brought me back to it. And I really had this moment of just pure elation and gratitude of just, um, this being a gift, like my contribution and a gift that I can give to the world. And I, I think that's when I like really just embodied and just celebrated, Mm. celebrated it. Um, and you're, and you're right. Like, it's funny because once it's happened and I, I have this other book that's like, actually when I was writing this book, another book came through to me. So I was like frantically, like on the side, like writing another <laughs> children's <laughs> book. Which is, so I was like writing it like on the side, like, you know, like, okay, the idea that was like downloading. Cause I think I just like was a big download and everything was yes. just flying through me. And so I was like, Oh wait, that's like a separate book. So, um, that was funny because there was like, I wanted to put some of that content in here, but it was like, no, 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 save that for the second book. Don't put it yeah. in here. Then you won't be able to put it in the other one. So I have like that book, but then I also have another book, which is like, it kind of goes along the same idea of the original book that I was pitching. Um, but I'm just going with the flow because this book needed to come out first. And I think I'm tr- more trusting of the process now. Like I thought that that other book needed to be first and the universe is like, no, 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 mm-hmm. this is how it's supposed to go. So I think I'm, I, and I'm getting like revamping myself to like get back into writing mode, um, in this summer, um, for this next book. And I'm, going to just, it's going to be a little bit different. So I'm just going to let it like come like exactly what you said, like just write out whatever it is without filtering it. And then just then kind of like approaching it. So Mm, I can't wait to see and to read in perfect timing. No rush. Of course, it's going to happen exactly as it needs to. But thank you so much for sharing all of that because it's just such a beautiful visualization for those of us who are still on the other side of our first books to just imagine being on that other side and just sitting and being with the book and being with the lessons and the messages inside it and how there's some kind of transformation that happens in us when we're actually sharing that, which hopefully then is contagious in its own perfect form with each person who reads it and comes across it. So that's a beautiful thing to imagine on the other side of the, of the yeah. messy, sometimes frustrating or clunky, awkward process. <laughs> it's worth it in the end if you know in your heart that that's a piece. And that's the thing for me that I was like, Oh my gosh, I just got to freaking do it. For years and decades, I've been like, I want to write books, I want to write books. Nikki, just do it. And my human Pomodoro is what is what's helping me finally be like, come on. Because if I don't do it this year, when am I going <laughs> to When am I gonna do it? So that's why I'm going self-publishing because it's like, it just needs to happen and it needs to happen fast, but I'm stalling a little right now, but I know I'll get to the other side of it and we'll be celebrating. Yes, absolutely. <sighs> I love it. I love you. So is there anything we haven't covered? Any final words of wisdom, a nugget that we haven't yet shared that you want to share with our fellow Naptime Empire Builder on the other side of the earbuds? 
So the last thing I would want to say, so like what part of the book is like creating this movement, which is like hashtag kids can meditate. Mm. And so really, you know, when we see images of kids like meditating, like there's this quote from the Dalai Lama, you might, you guys may or may or not have heard it. Um, it's like, if we taught every eight year old how to meditate, we would eliminate violence from the world in one generation. Mm. And really that's become, when I heard that 10 years ago, I feel like it's kind of been implanted in my my soul as like, let's make that prophecy come true. And so if you do like buy the book, like share pictures or little videos, because I think that is just seeing videos of children doing it is like the easiest way to inspire and motivate other moms and dads. I'd be like, Hey, like, my child can learn this too. I think that's the easiest motivator and use the kids can meditate hashtag. Like my real mission is to make sure that as many children out there get these tools at a young age. So let's really be pioneers and trailblazers in this together. That's amazing. Hashtag kids can meditate. And speaking of hashtags and Instagram, where we'll put all the links in the show notes, but just audio version, where can we find you and all of your work and your goodness online? Yeah. So my Instagram is my full name. So it's Thajal V Patel. Um, the book website with like the, the course and just all the other goodies. Like I have a free um, mini video meditation course that you can kind of watch with your kids and try out before you get the book. Definitely look into that. But that's on meditationforkidsbook.com. And then all my mindful parenting tips and podcast information, um, you can find that on my website at thejalvpatel.com. And then my podcast is the Time and Talks podcast. And you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Perfection. Dejal, thank you for being who you'll be, doing what you do, creating this so that the rest of us can benefit literally like in our own, in our own bodies and minds, in our homes and communities, like it's contagious. And I'm super inspired by everything that you've shared here, especially that mission and that seed that was planted because I can feel it. I mean, it's clear that you're living your mission and that's super inspiring. So thank you so much for that, for sharing everything. And I look forward to, yeah, when y'all, when you get the book, tag us, tag us so we can see. And then yes, hashtag meditate. I can't wait to see those, those pics and videos coming up too, because yeah, it's, it's good for us to see it, to be like, oh, wow. I didn't even realize I could teach my kid how to do that. And then it's good for the kids to see like, oh, okay. That's something we can do. So it's the best kind of contagious right now. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much, Nick. This was awesome. I loved connecting with you and, um, talking more about more more about all this with you same same all right to future books (laughs) yay All right. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Your homework today, should you choose to accept it, is to follow Thajal on Instagram if you're not already so you can benefit from her wisdom and super practical exercises for kiddos of all ages. Just pick one of the practices that she shared here in this conversation and give it a try. Post a screenshot, tag us in your Instagram story at Thajal V. Patel and Nikki Elledge Brown. And if you haven't yet, while you're listening, I would so appreciate it if you'd take 60 seconds to leave a rating and review for Naptime Empire's while you're here listening in your favorite podcasting app. More reviews equal more visibility for our fellow Naptime Empire builders, past, present, and future. And I would so appreciate your share. All right, I'll catch you next time. Take care of you.